Welcome to the Aging Gracefully Podcast. I'm Janae Anderson. And I'm Mary Thompson. Join us as we explore the myths, beliefs, and realities of aging to empower each of us to thrive on all levels every moment of our lives. Last month, we saw the images of the Cathedral at Notre Dame in flames. We did. And it's such a jarring event. I was I was sitting in a restaurant with my son. There's TVs up in the corners. He says, oh, Mom, you've got to see this. And I look up to see the flames kind of leaping over the top of the cathedral. And there was a part of me that kind of lurched, you know, like, what's going on? And this kind of grief, immediate, immediate grief at the loss of something that really had very little relationship to me in my life. Interesting. You know, I've been to Notre Dame. I climbed up those steps to the viewing tower. I, I, was, I enjoyed taking pictures of it out front with all the pigeons. And there were so many things about it I enjoyed, but it seems like somehow bigger than that, bigger than just, oh, I was there one time, and so it affects me. I think people all over the world were were deeply touched and in very similar ways to you. They they had no serious relationship with Notre Dame. So what is that all about? I don't know. Maybe it's the idea that we see it as some kind of it's a it's an archetype or it's a it's a symbol, but it's always gonna be there. It's been there for hundreds of years, it's gonna be there for hundreds of years more that it's going to remain relatively unchanged throughout the course of our lifetime. I think that's it. It's amazing how we do that without even being aware we're doing it. Like the the Twin Towers, they were always part of the New York skyline. And there, there was a lot of grief. Of course, there was a lot of loss with human life as well. But even the buildings themselves, there was a lot of grief and sorrow just about that. So... I think that we do tend to consider these structures as permanent, permanent fixtures in our lives. And when they go, wow, it really hits us. Right, because we have to kind of readjust. We have to reevaluate what's going on or what's, what's our reality. Because these things that we've looked at as being permanent, maybe they're icons, like this Notre Dame being an icon of the Catholic Church in France and the Twin Towers being an icon of the American capitalist system. <laughs> you know, that it's all of a sudden something shakes us at our roots. But I think the point is more to what you're saying, that we think it's permanent, but really it's temporary. We don't even just think it's permanent. We believe it in every fiber of our being, most of us. Mm-hmm. As we go around through our lives, we tend to do that with everything. You know, our spouses and our kids being whatever age they are until they change. And it's like, <gasps> you know, <laughs> and our homes and our countries and the world in general. Right. I think about when we were kids and our parents, they were, they were always going to be there. They were always going to be the same and we were always going to live with them. I think when we were little kids, we imagined we're going to stay in that house forever. Even I remember I said time with that as it projects into, I'm going to grow up, but I'm going to, I'll, I'll live right here on the property. I'm not going to go very far. And now he's, of course, talking about going far away. That's <laughs> <laughs> like that, that shift. But it's maybe it creates a, a, some part of our own suffering when we look at something that's temporary and we assign it permanent status. There are many traditions that would certainly agree with you on that, that when we attach permanence to things and then they are harmed or they're lost, that it results in suffering. 
And you can see that with Notre Dame right there. It got harmed. People don't want it to be harmed. We're shocked. We're aggrieved. And mm -hmm. all the pain and misery and suffering that it's bringing up because we don't want this to change. Right. And it can be really devastating. The change in the case of Notre Dame burning and it not directly impacting my own life. In California last summer, we had some wildfires that devastated entire communities, you know, destroyed them. And the suffering comes more from that attachment that's going to come to, this was always going to be here. It was This was my home. And there's so much grief and so much suffering that goes on when things that we have assigned permanent status to, it's going to live not just through my life, but it's going to be passed on to my my. Uh, of generations that follow me. Yes, it'll always be there. You know, mm -hmm. a year and a half ago, we got evacuated in the middle of the night because the wildfires, two of them, were coming close. And um, we have an old beat-up RV that we piled into and went and parked a ways away. And we could see from there the, the big, rosy glow of the fire. There was a police officer, there were a bunch of us, there was a police officer who very kindly said that he would be up all night keeping watch and he'd let us know if we needed to move. So my husband and son went to sleep and I laid there for hours and unbidden image after image came to me of the things I was attached to, the things I felt were permanent. And I remember one of them was my shoes. You know, I don't easily fit in shoes. I have very wide feet and so every pair of shoes has been painstakingly found and bought usually for a fair amount of money and and right. so you know just image after image of the things that I thought were permanent that could be burned up just like that right. came through and yeah I was suffering. Mm -hmm. It's like no not my shoes <laughs> anything but my shoes. I would think in a situation like that I would come home and I'd make a list so that I had all those so I can, oh, I have to evacuate. Give me five minutes. I've got my shoes, or at least a specific pair that I want to run off with. I definitely have a grab-and-go bag with a note of instructions. Yes. <laughs> so I think that when we look at this concept of temporary versus permanence, I think of one time or sometimes when I actually enjoy the fact where that something is temporary. It's like if I'm feeling pain. If it's pain in my body or if it's an emotional pain, if I can remember that it's not going to last forever, that it's much easier to get over. It's much easier to deal with. If you think, oh, this pain, this feel, this grief because of a lost relationship, I'm not going to feel this intensely forever. It's hard to believe that when you're caught in the turmoil of the pain, whether it's mm -hmm. emotional or physical. That's true. Yeah. But I think if we can... We may lighten up our own suffering. We definitely would lighten up our own suffering. I mean, even people who uh, deal with chronic pain, there are times when they're not in pain. Mm -hmm. So nothing is permanent. Yeah. I had a friend one time, she was in counseling. So her counselor advised her to wake up in the morning and imagine that she had amnesia. So she would remember her name and who she was and what she did for work and everything. But she would forget the anger. And she would forget the petty jealousies or she would forget the fears that how would she operate in the world if she let go of that conditioning of the past? Those things that we take on as identity and we're so attached to them and we put it on us as a permanent badge that we're going to wear everywhere. And she talked about waking up and, you know, almost immediately putting on 
the anger and the jealousy and the fear. And then remembering that today she had amnesia and she giggled and she got out of bed and she, she went to the coffee shop and she said, oh, what would I like? And she you know, kind of stepped away from choosing what she always chose. And she went to a place she'd never been for lunch because she realized so much of her day was driven by her patterning. And I think that's the permanence quality is, is we, we just kind of attach to always doing the same thing in the same way and expecting the same results. And sometimes things are going to shift around us. For example, that coffee shop you go to every morning could close. It could. And then suddenly we're aware of the grasping mind mm -hmm. and, uh, yeah, the, the tentacles that we have emotionally wound around that coffee shop. Right. And what do you think it means about our own perceptions? What are the things we're putting into that permanent category that maybe are actually... Okay, Mary, here I go. I'm going to talk about death. Oh, not the death talk. Okay, <laughs> go ahead. This is my feeling about it, that when we lose something that we thought was permanent, ultimately, bottom line, it comes back to our fear of losing this form, this human form. Mm -hmm. The fact that our life is not going to continue. And most of us have a lot of fear and even emotional pain around that. Mm -hmm. There's a Native American expression where they talk about today being a good day to die. And as I understand it, that's being clear with your past. Coming to today free of uh, the resentments or the longings or the one more thing that I have to take care of. Yeah, knowing that this is temporary, and if you knew that, how would you live your life differently? Right. When I was in college, I worked summers as a temporary secretary, and I, I'd, so I'd go from company to company for as long as they needed me, usually a week or two or three, and then I'd go to the next company. And the only time I was ever called in was when a company was in crisis and needed extra help. So I, I started to see a pattern emerge. I'd, I'd show up at the, some company and everybody would be in crisis and they'd be suffering and they'd be, you know, ah, just freaked out. And I didn't have that sense of being suffer, of in suffering or being freaked out because I was aware that I was just a temp. So I would help out where I could and help them get through the crisis and then be moved to the next company. It'd be the same thing again. Everybody's suffering. And I got to think about how, what if I took that pattern and made it my life? What if I looked at my whole life as temporary? I'm just a temp. <laughs> and it's a whole sense of lightness and not buying in to the suffering and the pain that we can buy into. Right. For those people that were in that office setting, they looked at, uh, like when they're in the crisis, the crisis is permanent. And before the crisis, kind of status quo was permanent. And I think when we shift from that status quo into crisis, there's that suffering because, oh, I thought this was never going to change. Now it's changed and I'm trying to change it back. <laughs> trying to change it back. And you can see the suffering right. that results. Well, yeah, this is, uh, you know, they came up with millions and millions, about 600 million or more dollars to rebuild Notre Dame. And now uh, what I heard was that they don't have any timber tall enough to replace the the timbers that were in the roof. So they're going to have to go and find some place in the world where they have trees tall enough to make the lumber they need to rebuild that so it's it's kind of like I'm gonna I'm in crisis and we think oh I'm gonna fix this I'm gonna make it exactly as it was but can we 
And do we need to? Can you really go home? Mm-hmm. So the podcast is overall looking at aging gracefully. And I think one of the, the stopping blocks I have to my own aging gracefully is when I'm trying to hang on to the past moment and make sure it's unchanging throughout the course of my life. Yeah, and in terms of aging and in terms of life itself, the one thing we can totally accept is that in this you know, temporal life, it the change is constant. Right. You look in the mirror, you see some new wrinkles, you know, you get an ache here that you didn't have before. Just change is constantly mm-hmm. happening around aging. Right. We see it and accept it and actually celebrate it in babies, right? They can pull themselves up. Now they can take a step. Now they can talk. And we celebrate these little shifts that are occurring because they're getting more and more and more independent. Yeah, we cherish every developmental milestone. Mm-hmm. What if we did that with getting older? <laughs> you know, yeah, celebrating that first gray hair or the wrinkle or whatever it is that is our, our hallmark of having succeeded. We've succeeded with every day we've had so far. We've made it through it. Even if it was tough, even if it was a hard day, we've lived through it. And then here I'm bringing up fear of death again, because Mm -hmm. what if we looked at death as a doorway to our next adventure? Mm -hmm. It's, I mean, after all, the animating spirit within us is is one of the few things that is permanent. Mm -hmm. So what if every developmental step as we age was cherished as getting closer to that doorway? Right. I think the whole way to get to the point of that kind of acceptance and coming to peace with the concept of death does resolve revolve around our accepting our past and accepting where we are being free of the anger and the resentment and the melancholy and the attachments and these things that bind us in that moment i'm reminded of a story that kevin smith tells he is a movie director and he's fairly young i believe he's in his 50s and he had a heart attack and he was he was a big man and so he, he remembered his father having a heart attack when he was in his 50s, when his father was in his 50s. And his father was kicking and screaming and he wasn't ready to die and he was fighting it and fighting it. And so he had always projected kind of into his own future. If he had a heart attack, he thought he might be behaving like his father had. And he realized something. He realized something as he was experiencing this heart attack was he reflected back on his life and he said, you know, I've been able to do the things that I've wanted to do. I've made the movies I wanted to make. I have the love of my family and friends. If at this moment, this is it, it's been a good ride. It's been a good life. And my first thought was, I want to be that. I want to be at that doorway going, I've done the things that I wanted to do and I've accomplished what I want to accomplish and I've given love, I've given service, I've done my part to make this world a better place. I've healed my heart, mm-hmm. I've healed others' hearts where there were, you know, where resolution needed to happen, so today is a good day to die. Right, because I'm not going to carry in a regret. Maybe a part of this could be looking at where are my regrets and starting to identify if there's some way that I can shore up those those spaces where I may feel not yet complete. I think so. And it's all about relationship, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And it comes down to relationship with the self. They say when we hold anger at someone, 
it's like taking poison and wait, expecting someone else to die. <laughs> I like that. So it's like, how do I move into that space of forgiveness? I, there are things that I would really like to be permanent about myself, and that would be the open heart, and that would be forgiveness and compassion, generosity of spirit. If I was to look at these values and find ways in each instance that I could maximize that value as opposed to maximizing my small self, my my own selfishness or my own self-interest. I wonder if that would help me to be more accepting of the temporary quality of the things around me. If I would be embracing that more. I would think so because for me, I would be living every every day more fully. Mm-hmm. Giving more freely, receiving more freely. <laughs> right. That's always tricky, the receiving part. It <laughs> that's is. That's tricky for me. It I is. got the giving down. It's the receiving that's, that's a little bit difficult. Yeah, it's become part of my practice. And that sounds like a whole new podcast, actually. <laughs> so I, I think it's really important, Mary, to remember that we here in our bodies are not supposed to be eternal. Mm-hmm. You know, like some of these structures... They had a beginning, they had a middle, and then they have an end. Mm-hmm. Same with us. Yeah. And so to, to be lighter about the time when we will leave our human bodies and move on. The Buddhists, as part of their daily meditation, they meditate on their own death. What would you, when you meditate on your own death, what is that, what would that look like? I... I'm not a Buddhist, although I'm interested in their teaching. So my understanding is that they actually see their bodies lying there lifeless. And you would, or I would imagine that from doing that, I would look at, well, wait, because this relationship is still unresolved and I never said that to that person that needs to be said or, you know, that sort of thing. Or I really want to finish this art project that I haven't touched for months and I'm going to go do that. Right, it would get you to clear on what your desires were in that moment that you weren't yet satisfied. Yeah. I had a friend who during the um, AIDS epidemic, she she was a therapist, and she said that the common kind of running joke amongst those who were dying was, but wait, there's shopping still to be done. <laughs> so just yeah. remembering that the shopping... All of all of the outward is temporary, and I've seen it in in the dying that when they when they get to a place where they can actually let go of the things that meant so much to them, let let go of being able to see the grandchildren grow up or whatever it is, they find real peace. Mm-hmm. Right, because I think we struggle against this. We don't want to go gentle into that good night, right? <laughs> we wanna, we're looking at somehow we want to fight it, we want to forestall it. One thought that comes to mind for me is I'm an Ayurvedic practitioner and Ayurveda is often called a science of longevity because we look at ways to slow down the process of of aging. But I'm often reminding students that you won't find anybody practicing Ayurveda who's over 105 years old. You know, it's like everybody's going to pass, even if you've been meditating every day. Even in the blue zones, even in those zones where people were living beyond 100, eventually there comes a time when the body just gives out. So we can take care of it, we can support it as if it is permanent. Actually, maybe we need to treat it as if it is temporary and be kinder to it. Because I often find that things that are really permanent, we come to take for granted. We don't see them as often. We don't 
uh, really appreciate them until something shifts. When I've had a favorite restaurant that I went to many, many times, and then I just didn't go there so much anymore. And then when I notice its doors are closed, I feel that pang of, oh my God, if only I'd gone there more often. You know what? I think that's what makes dogs so wonderful. Mm -hmm. Living in the present moment. Oh, there you are! Aren't you wonderful? Come pet me! You know? And then 10 seconds later, there you are! Aren't you wonderful? Come pet me! It's right. like, what if we looked at each other that way? Right. There you are! You're amazing! Come pet me! <laughs> <laughs> you know, in the yeah. Buddhist philosophy, they also introduce the image of surfing. Like, we can't control the change but we can learn to surf mm -hmm. as placidly as possible over the waves mm -hmm. we you don't always know what wave is coming at you but if you learn how to shift and move your balance and you know do the maneuvers you need to do right. life can be a lot smoother aging can be a lot smoother so it sounds to me like aging gracefully this week is about riding the waves i think it is so that's it. So enjoy the waves you come across. This is Mary Thompson and Janae Anderson signing out.